Seltzer Kings Podcasts. Hey, are you into werewolves, mad sciences, and a little bit of witchcraft? Then stay tuned for an all-new episode of Watch Corner. We're riding this train straight into the sun. Woo! Tune in to a classic episode of Watts Corner on the Seltzer Kings Network. Available on all podcast platforms. What's that? You've got nothing to say. <laughs> God, I hate you, you facile, bloated ass. The following podcast contains... Wait, are you saying what I think you're saying? What did you just say? Is that allowed? Finally didn't say. Explicit language. Hello and welcome to the podcast that asks a simple question. When you took a job working for a shady Italian and a fat drunk American, what in God's name were you thinking? I mean, what the hell were you thinking? That's the name of this stupid show. I am your interim, very, very temporary, don't get used to it because it will never happen again, host Gavin St. James. And this is episode number 293, the last worthless Christmas that you'll have to spend edition of the show, where we talk about celebrating Christmas in miserable times working for an asshole. Stay tuned. The What the Hell Were You Thinking podcast is brought to you by Krampus.com, who knows you've been naughty, and now it is time to pay. All across Europe, Krampus is the horn-headed diabolical sidekick of St. Nicholas, who comes for naughty children and punishes them harshly. Krampus.com brings that power to American parents via the web and a simple smartphone app. No more telling your bratty kids Santa will bring them coal. Simply pull up Krampus.com and put them on the real naughty list. Once they are on the list, your misbehaving crotch urchins will begin receiving personalized messages from Krampus detailing their sins and the punishments that await them on Christmas Eve when Krampus comes to town. <laughs> You'll watch those little urchins straighten up really quick when a horn-headed demon begins texting them the every bad thing they've done all year long because you are Krampus's snitch. Get a little obedience this Christmas with Krampus.com. I haven't celebrated Festivus in years. What is your interest? Well, just tell me everything, huh? Many Christmases ago, I went to buy a doll for my son. <laughs> I reached for the last one they had, but so did another man. As I rained blows upon him, I realized there had to be another way. What happened to the doll? It was destroyed. But out of that, a new holiday was born. A Festivus for the rest of us! Well, that must have been some kind of doll. She was. <laughs> and at the Festivus dinner, you gather your family around and tell them all the ways they have disappointed you over the past year. And is there a tree? No, instead there's a pole. Requires no decoration. I find tinsel distracting. Frank, this new holiday of yours is scratching me right where I itch. Let's do it then. All right. Festivus is back! I'll get the pole out of the crawl space. Hello, Frank. Hello, woman. As a citizen of the British Empire, I find colonial expressions of Christmas to be somewhat unimpressive. And with your crass commercialism, your 
constant bloviating about your cultural issues, you've basically stripped what is a lovely holiday filled with warmth and cheer of all its meaning and decency and rendered it down to just another thing that you might be angry at one another about. Normally at this time of year, I would be slipping home to spend Christmas with mum with hot toddies, figgy pudding, and a knife pint down at the pub. Sadly, this year, because of some stupid, probably Frenchman, introducing a new strain of coronavirus, I'm not even allowed to travel home. Not that I'm usually allowed to travel home, but I've managed to recently obtain my green card from my employers. Therefore, I have been tasked, nay, commanded, to produce Christmas content for the week ending on December 25th. Thus, I sit down with a vast archive of blathering inanities and drunken ramblings from the erstwhile host of this show, and I present you a small selection of some of the excerpts that I found both offensive and yet also quite explanatory as to why he is such a terrible person. But if that was what killed Christmas, it was the advent of the culture wars that dug the body up and then committed acts of necrophilia on its worm-ridden corpse. Let me be clear. I don't care one way or another if you say Merry Christmas, hang a wreath on your door, put a Jesus pageant and a laser show on your lawn, so long as that shit is wrapped up by 10 p.m. on weeknights and midnight on the weekends. But there is literally nothing about this made-up bullshit holiday that I give a damn about except that come every year around Halloween, some burnished scrotum buffs off his Jesus snow globe, and arranges it on his desk so it can be seen by the camera, finds a random, irrelevant news story about a liberal atrocity consisting of one off-the-cuff comment about Kwanzaa or something called a winter festival instead of a Christmas pageant, and launches into a 30-minute pay-on to the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and his being the reason for the season. Asshole! Axial motherfucking kilt is the reason for the season, you dim-witted mouthpiece. If you want to do half-hour-long rants about inane and pointless topics, get yourself a fucking podcast like the rest of us and keep that shit off the real airways. It's for dumb shit like that that we have podcast that and to give failed radio host and comedians something to do with their spare time. Oh, that was way harsh, Ty. Don't cry me a river, you big baby. And it's not like you've ever tried to be a radio host or a comedian. Mostly, you've just spent your life drinking and apathetically wasting it. It was Christmas morning that I finally embraced the suck. I was riding on the back of a shitter truck as it made the rounds of the camp sucking piss and shit out of hundreds of porta johns inside the wire. And on the camp PA was Christmas music. Feliz Navidad. To this day, I still have a visceral fucking reaction to that song because we heard it eight million times in the... Fuck, oh, I hate that song. (sighs) I hadn't had a shower in two weeks, a clean uniform in at least three days, and I was watching this big, beautiful meal relief agencies that provide for the Cubans while I had a turkey a la king MRE waiting for me for my fucking Christmas meal. We were 20 miles from the nearest city, 30 from the nearest military installation. They could have brought us a Christmas dinner, 
They, I mean, they fucking flew them to remote mountaintops in Vietnam during a war. They could have brought us fucking hot food. They couldn't be bothered. It was then and there that I realized, short of being in combat, this was the worst Christmas I would ever spend in my life. And there wasn't a goddamn thing I could do about it except embrace it, live through it, and fucking get it over with. It was my lowest point in 10 years of service. And that's right when I knew, on the back of that shitter truck, 95 degrees, sweating my balls off in a flak jacket and helmet, carrying a fucking axe handle, and reeking of shit and piss, watching Cubans eat fucking ham and turkey while I was going to eat a fucking MRE, that I was done with the military, and I was out when this enlistment ended. Yes, that must have been so terrible for you. I mean, the folks over in Afghanistan and Iraq who were being shot at probably would have some things to tell you about that. But you know what? You just go ahead and feel sorry for yourself like that. Oh, God, this is fun. I'm enjoying this. Not even that abomination compares to the single worst Christmas song ever created. A composition of such vile darkness as unspeakable evil that long after our sun has gone cold and dark, the emptiness of the universe is slowly contracted upon itself. When the old gods rise from their aeons of sleep and writhe in orgiastic display of malice, this despicable and vomitous mass of melody and lyrics will still be the most hideous thing that ever existed. I hear this fucking song. I hate this song. It is so goddamn awful. The opening chords are enough to make my fist clench and my teeth start to grind. Even talking about it here, where I'm trashing it, is making me irrationally angry. And it's all because I do not know why I hate this song so much. There's nothing objectively better or worse about this song than any other Christmas song, which is I hate this freaking song. I would happily burn down the universe to expunge it from existence. Wipe any remnant from the collective psyche of humanity. I would strangle kittens with my bare hands if it meant I never had to hear this song again. And everyone loves this song, so they play it all the time. Ah, God. If there is a hell, it will just be me in an empty room, strapped into a chair, a single speaker over my head, and it plays all I want for Christmas with you over and over on a constant loop for all of eternity. Actually, I, uh, I don't have a quarrel with that. It's a loathsome piece of music, and even a broken clock is right twice a day, and also, when the time comes, ha <laughs> oh, now I know what I can do to him. <laughs> Now, I love a good old-fashioned Christmas as much as the next American, and I want to begin with the most old-fashioned tale I could find. Small towns, close friends, 
and the legend of a special Christmas figure deeply embedded in the hearts of people who, who fought back against the war on Christmas every year. The sort of Christmas legend that makes the heart of a Fox News talking head grow three sizes every time he hears the story. It's the origin of Clanta Claus. In the sleepy town of Pulaski, Tennessee, December 24th, 1865, it was about to be a very white Christmas. That's because six Confederate veterans had gathered around the Christmas tree and opened the presents they'd given to one another. Dress robes. Dress robes? For what? Oh, they would soon find out because these six fellas, including one Nathan Bedford Forrest, had given unto the world in the town of Pulaski the Ku Klux Klan. Merry fucking Christmas. Nathan would don his white robes, get on his horse, and shout, Go, go, go! And they would ride off into the night to commit acts of terrorism. It was the first ride of Claus. Soon the legend said these evil old elves would ride around in a sleigh drawn by eight tiny Jim Crows bringing rape, murder, and terror to all the black people of the land. White-robed carolers would often gather outside black families' doors and sing traditional songs of hate and fear. True story, the burning cross was inspired by a Christmas tree that caught on fire by a misplaced candle, and the sight was so moving that Clanta Claus were replicated all year round on the lawns of innocent black families to let them know that soon Clanta would slip down their chimney and kill them all unless they left town. Oh, Christmas memories. These days, like so many other old-time traditions, few people really understand the meaning of a good old-fashioned Ku Klux Christmas, except, of course, the police, who quietly deliver beatings and murders to unarmed black folks all around the country in memory of St. Nate and Clanta Claus that night in 1865. How are you guys holding up? You in the Christmas spirit yet? Jesus Christ, Dave! I will never understand the bizarre racial prejudices of Americans. I mean, honest to God, I don't understand any of it. You're all Americans. You're the same. It's not like you're Irish or something. Each year in the UK, there is a song that rises to number one by Christmas, and it is a widely hailed Christmas tradition. In 2019, this was the song that became the UK number one Christmas song. She took hold of my snack 
necessarily mean to imply that the song was good. I just meant that we have one every year, and quite frankly, they're usually quite terrible. However, last year's song was an act of genius compared to a top contender that, though it is entirely correct, is most vulgar, and I do not approve, yet I also somehow slightly hope it wins. Because honestly, given my choice between working for the fat bastard that I currently work for or actually having to be in the UK with Boris Johnson in charge, I guess I'll stay where I am. Well, that must be it for this week's show. I have been Gavin St. James sitting in for Dave Bledsoe, who I believe currently is, since the bars are not open in New York City, standing at home shouting at himself in front of a mirror and about to punch himself in the face because he's gotten so drunk that he thinks he's going to get in a fight with someone but doesn't realize it's himself. Again. So, rate and review this show wherever you find your pods. Follow the show on social media at the, at the hell underscore podcast on Twitter, the show name on Facebook. We are a proud member of Seltzer King's Podcast Networks, which, honestly, we don't know why you've chosen to have us on their network, but still, I guess we appreciate it. And you can find all of our shows at whatthehellpodcast.com. So for me, Gavin St. James, the interim host of this show, I swear I'm not doing this anymore. I don't even want to be on the radio. I like to be behind the scenes. The actual host, Dave Bledsoe, who presumably has pissed himself in his own bathtub by now, we want to say, All right, you know what, we're just going to play Boris Johnson as a fucking cunt one more time, and I'm sorry for my language, but he really is a fucking cunt. We'll see you all in 2021.
the Hell Were You Thinking stars Dave Bledsoe and features Gavin St. James and several fictional minions. The show is produced by Kimberly Steele and a part of the Seltzer Kings Podcast Network. You can find more information on the show on their website, whatthehellpodcast.com, or on Twitter at thehell underscore podcast, or on Facebook as What The Hell Podcast. Thanks for listening. I have no ending for this, so I take a small bow. Seltzer Kings Podcasts.